Welcome to the Time Bubble Podcast, the only podcast where the guests get to travel in time. I'm your host, Jason Ayres, and I'm delighted this week to be joined by a very old friend of mine, Laura Jane Brown. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you. It's been great to catch up as well before we came on because we haven't spoken in an appalling time scale, actually. I was thinking that earlier. The last, like we just said, we haven't actually spoken to each other in what, three years? Yes. Uh, the last time I saw you was at your birthday party three years yeah, ago. Which but of I course, have memory of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, we had the lockdowns and all of that, which has sort of mm. put a lot of the socialising on hold. But no, it's great, great to speak to you again. I, I guess I should tell people a bit about you. So you are a singer and also an artist tell us a bit about your singing well uh so when I was younger a teenager I used to work with Nicky James who some people may know in the music world he's no longer with us sadly I was about 13 and I recorded a single and then uh, hormones kicked in and I decided I didn't want to do that anymore and came back to it obviously did karaoke as you know because we spent many a week <laughs> we singing song in the pub um and then I went back into professional singing, but uh, it would have been the end of 2019 when I released a single with a friend called Jay, who I don't know if you know Jay, actually. Yeah. Jay, Jay Taylor, as he's known, his stage name. Um, so we did that, and that was released at the beginning of 2020. And I started booking my own gigs, and then obviously COVID hit. So I'm on my second comeback now. <laughs> Um, I voc- I'm going to be doing vocals, uh, backing vocals for a band called The Foods, who are a Foo Fighters tribute band. Definitely check them out. Um, you can find them on Facebook. And also a few projects going on with other friends who sing and play instruments and things. So it's a case of watch this space at the moment because I can't let too much out. Yeah. So loads yeah. going on. We, we uh, yeah. come a long way since those karaoke nights you talked about. <laughs> but I, I think it was probably through karaoke that I first met you because and I'm guessing 12 to 15 years ago approximately I would it say before your eldest started school it wasn't was it? Because we met at karaoke and then recognized each other in we the did. so yeah. it was at least 11 years ago but um I I do recall your wonderful singing uh, there's a uh, you know certain songs that stick <laughs> in my head you used to sing that song by Fairground Attraction uh, you remember? Yeah. Not, not find my love. Find my love. Yes, because everybody yeah. know everybody knows perfect because that was yeah. their big hit. But find my love was their their only other hit actually, and it it was yeah. my favourite. So, so I remember was... you being quite shocked that I would know it. I remember you yes. saying you can't possibly be old enough to know that. And it's my mom. Oh, yeah. Well, because because you are a good few years younger than me, and I was <laughs> only a teenager when Fairground Attraction were around. So. Uh, yeah. And that was 1988, which was the year I was 18. So it's a year I remember fondly. As I think yeah, your musical memories are related to your age very much, aren't they? Absolutely. I'd say I would have been four then because I was born in 84. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I'd have been four when that was released. So, yeah, my, my memories of songs like that, my mum listening to them on LPs and things. So, um, And believe it or not, still know those songs better than I know anything that comes out now or anything I'm supposed to learn now. Those ones all stick in my head. Um, and I also Transvision Vamp as well, didn't I? Yes, that's right. We have a mutual love for a certain, certain, certain yeah. Wendy James. Well, they, oh, yeah, Wendy James. Well, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't get me started on that one. <laughs> okay, great. We'll move on with the podcast. I know you've been listening to a few episodes and been enjoying them. As you know, 
I ask you, first of all, about three times in your life that you'd like to go back to. So if you could go back to a particular day, where would you go? I would go back to the day, and I'm struggling on how to word this, when I met my daughter. Now, the reason I struggle with the wording for that is because I am not biologically her mother. So I was a young 19-year-old, and my partner's ex was expecting a baby. And for reasons that we won't discuss, she was unable to look after said baby. Um, So we had to do all the court proceedings and stuff to get residency of this baby. Like I say, I was 19 so and she's now 19 my daughter is now 19 so it's perspective of could she do those things and I just feel like I would go back to that time so not maybe not specifically a day but that period of time where I could embrace those feelings and emotions better because obviously I was so young that my understanding was so different than what it would be now and obviously being the mother of a 19 year old now I can see why my parents would have worried and things like that I don't know if I'd like to go back and be myself in that situation again or be an onlooker. Yeah. Just to absorb those feelings more than anything. Because, you know, and I'm sure it's, well, I know it's the same with all, all types of parenting because I have other children. Um, you, you do miss the younger days. And just a snippet yeah. would be nice. It puts things into perspective as well when you step back and remember how much they needed you back then and things like that. You know, she was just a tiny baby yeah. and she had no idea what was going on. So, yeah, and now she's a 19-year-old woman. So, yeah. It's a lot to deal with at a young age. You see, I didn't yeah. become a parent till I was 37. And even then, I didn't feel like I was really mature enough for it. And I, I just try to put myself in your shoes and think, what would it have been like to have been a parent at 19? And I just can't picture it, quite honestly. I, I was just a boy. I yeah. had friends who were parents at, like, 17, 18, because when I moved to Vista, um, I didn't know anybody. And it was about six months before she came to live with us. So there was a six months where I didn't really make any friends because I was just working all the time. Um, and then when she came to me, the, the health visitor was like, oh, you know, you need to go to these mother and baby groups. So she put me into this young mum's baby group. And I realized that I didn't quite fit in. Our situation didn't fit in, you know, and they did this weekly, you know, what's happened this week. And it was the moment I said, oh, we, we find we got full residency of Zara. And everyone just looked at me like I was I was completely crazy. And that was the day that everyone found out that I wasn't biologically Zara's mum. Yeah. Um. So it did change things. And I did find, obviously, it was young mums. Again, we were all naive back then, you know. And I did find that my friendships changed very quickly. You know, yeah. people couldn't, maybe, maybe felt that they couldn't relate to me very much, you know, because I'd not done the birth or the pregnancy that they'd done or being left as single single mum and things like that. I hadn't gone yeah. through any of that um so I do remember and it it was a massive deal and my family some of my family weren't so supportive yes. and looking back I can I can almost understand why now but at the time it just made me more determined so yeah yeah and it was it was a massive thing to go through at any age yeah. let alone 19 so yeah. yeah and your your family swiftly grew uh because yeah. <laughs> by, by, by the time you know our kids because you're I think if I got this right your fourth and fifth child were in the same year at school as as my two I believe so how old are your youngest uh 
12 so you had you've got Libby. No, no, so that, yeah that would have been third and fifth yeah so third, Libby, third and fifth Libby there was no one in between I, I I remember meeting you in a playground and thinking <laughs> wow how do you do it you got these five kids I remember you had this great big people carrier that you used to ferry them I around the and all yeah sorts, I? yeah <laughs> Do you remember uh, how I used to make them walk two by two so that I didn't lose anybody? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we were talking, funny, I recorded an episode yesterday. We were talking about the similar sort of thing and, and how wonderful that playground community what was when the, the kids were little. How, you know, I used yeah. to, if you were busy with the kids all day as we were, it, it was really nice to go down at pickup time and have a good yeah. chat with everybody. We all, we all started getting there a bit earlier. It was just getting earlier and earlier every <laughs> week, wasn't it? And we just have our little hangout before the kids came out. Yeah. I used to love it down at the first school. You remember the one by the, it, by the church it was mm. a really lovely old fashioned building and uh of course but they they moved elsewhere yeah so, uh, things change then they change yeah <laughs> things change i haven't got any children at that school anymore no no they my, all... my youngest doesn't go to that school so enough said about that place <laughs> I, th- I think i think um, they, they like me as much as i like them let's just put it that way <laughs> do, do you do you remember when we got told off by the headmaster for um saying negative things on facebook about the school <laughs> got called into the office you were oh, you were one of them weren't you i was <laughs> it became an ongoing joke even after you yeah. left with, with <laughs> the rebel wives as we called ourselves yeah. as a group um and it was an ongoing joke especially with with my friend Yvonne on who could get in the newsletter this week <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh. we missed got to the end when they all left when all the children yeah. were hitting you we were like we've literally got weeks left we need to get in the newsletter <laughs> uh, uh, about being a good example to your children <laughs> no probably not I mean my my boys know that I'm a bit of a rebel and I always have been I tend to surround myself with people who are other rebels too because we're, we're the more get me to join the p was it the, the parent group thing you wanted me to leave it and I was like really <laughs> Ah, wonderful. Okay, well, we'll move on. Have you got a second day? So the second one would be when I left home. I left home a very, very young age. I was 15. I don't regret leaving home. My family was dysfunctional, let's say. um, And it's more a case of how I left home. I regret how I did it. Because, again, at 15, hormones are flying. You just want to... I was very much a, you know, my flight or fight response was out there. And it's my my family, you know, I'm not going to fight my way out of a situation. So it was flight. And uh, my younger brothers and sisters, I'm one of, se- my mum had seven children um, and I'm the middle one. And when I left home, I was one of the older ones. So I remember their faces when I left and things like that. And I'm very maternal with my younger sisters and brother. And I just, I feel like I played a part in abandoning them you know to me like I we we supported each other growing up so to be the one that left I think I'll always regret that I left without really saying anything um and I just remember seeing them at the door and I was heartbreaking I remember my older brother saying out the window is it my fault and I was like no it's not your fault and that will stick with me forever you know that was 20 years ago yeah that that feeling hasn't changed that feeling will never change um even though you know we still support each other now as adults it doesn't change the fact that that day happened and it was it was on me on how it happened so I would go back to that and leave more calmly yeah 
So where did you go at such a tender age? Uh, so my older sister picked me up originally. I'd literally just finished my GCSEs or I was waiting for my GCSE results at the time. Yeah. Because I'm a summer baby, so I left school at 15. And then I fibbed about my age and got a job, <laughs> which had a living um, a living deal. You know, we had like a room in a staff room thing where we could stay. And I did that for a couple of months. And then the next year or so, I kind of just sofa surfed wherever I could go, whether it was friends or family. Yeah. So I was out and I lived in a car for a while as well. So, yeah. There's, there's some other stories like behind there, but maybe maybe I won't repeat just yet until my kids are older. But yeah, I, I made some very risky, risky decisions, you know, at such a young age. And again, I've got a daughter that's that age now um, and she's very outspoken and much like me and does her own thing and I just don't, don't upset her because if she leaves <laughs> you know, she, she'll be determined and I'll never get her back sort of thing um but no she's again seeing it in the perspective of that age I'd be beside myself if my children did what I did yeah not that I was never a naughty person like I wasn't off doing drugs and stuff like this I was just so I just needed such an independence. And I've, I've always been like that, as I'm sure you've picked up on in the years that we've known each other. I'm a very determined, independent person. So yeah, um, that that has been with me since I was very small. So, <laughs> And I think at that age as well, we have this feeling of immortality in us. We're doing something that we wouldn't advise our own children to do, but we're so sure of ourselves and, you know, to go and do these things we you don't really think about the dangers or the long-term implications you're just i want to do this I, i've said this before when you're 15 16 you can't imagine what it's really like to be a an adult or older you never no, imagine you think you, think you, <laughs> you know it. you do you, yeah you do you think you know <laughs> it all and then you do it because i mean uh, my older son ollie who you know you've probably not since he was little he has got the exact single-mindedness that that i have and that you had uh, and he is very forthright in his opinions at times it causes arguments and it irritates the hell out of me but i also respect and love the fact that he is his own person and he will never be one of these people that follows the herd yeah i like to th- i like like to think the same with my children actually and yeah. they're all so different but they're all so similar in that sense you know yeah but I think that that comes into how you raise them though because if you embrace who they are not who you want them to be yeah then you can mold them in certain senses I mean my kids do know some of my past and I think it's important that they know why I am sometimes hard work and things like that you know it's, it's yeah. that they need to know that before I was a mum um that I had there was a life and quite yeah quite a, a bumpy traumatic one um I don't I'll keep it as child safe as possible when I talk about it it depends on their age they know certain things that the others don't but yeah I just I just think back then I was naive so it I wouldn't have changed anything I did do just how I did them if that, yeah yeah that's that's yeah. what I come back to the benefit of hindsight as they say Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah okay brilliant uh, let's move on again then, and we'll have a third day that you'd like to go back. To. Oh, that's right. No one can see me apart from you, but this this yeah. thought always puts it just puts a massive smile on my face. So this is a really recent one that I'd like to go back to. It was in fact only in the beginning of July. So I'm a massive, massive fan of Guns N' Roses. 
always have been. Um, never, ever thought I'd get to see them. But my partner, Dan, he um, bought me tickets before lockdown for my birthday present to see them. So another two extra years of waiting. <laughs> uh, we eventually get there. And I was so overwhelmed by being in London, by knowing that I was going to see them. Just the whole thing was just so overwhelming for me that I feel like I didn't absorb most of it. And to make matters worse, but better at the same time, we were in the gold circle, which meant I was literally like eight feet away from wow. Axel and Slash. And I just I just remember being so overwhelmed that even the next day, it didn't feel like I'd been there. So yeah. I'd like to go and do that again. <laughs> but then who wouldn't want to go back to their favorite concert of all time again? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, this yeah. is when, it, when it's such a, a massive event, like you say, it, it is overwhelming. It really was. It was. It's a and, twenty twenty plus year dream of mine to just yeah. see them. I was expecting to see them like at, at such a distance that about three three centimeters tall, but I was right up close. Like it was just like oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, I didn't know that until we were there. Yeah. So no, kind of. Well, that is yeah, because <laughs> I've been to big, um, big gigs where uh, you know Wembley and places, but you're so far away. It's like being at well, some of them are well, like football grounds and things like that. So it's like yeah, you're, you're at the other good. end of yeah. you're, you're at the other end of the pitch trying to see what's going on. I mean the whole the whole day was overwhelming anyway. I'm not great in places like London. I'm getting better, you know, but I'm I'm a country girl really. You know, I was born in a village. So I'm I now live in Bicester, which is a town, but it's still not busy here so even going to London can be overwhelming for me so we went to London and it <laughs> hadn't realized um that it was also London Pride and we'd actually gone into the city center to go and see if I could, my sister happened to be staying there as well I haven't seen her for a couple of years because of Covid and we we're like oh we'll get together and then when we got there she's like I can't find you I can't get there there's crowds everywhere what the bloody hell's going on and she went oh it's London Pride and I somehow in the midst of trying to get to my sister to see her for five minutes before the gig managed to get completely caught up in London Pride and so there was me and Dan we must have been walking for miles and hours yeah. just in the written obviously I'm only tiny so what I've got is the, is the people's shoulder blades and stuff that's all I could see in this really really busy crowd so that had already tired me out um because as I'm sure you know I, I suffer with fatigue because I had a stroke a couple of years ago so Anything that's mentally overstimulating or physically can tire me out to the point that I sleep for hours. Um, and so I was already exhausted. And then we were like, then they cl closed the tubes. And we were like, how the hell are we going to get to White Hart Lane to get to the gig? And I was like, please don't let me miss the gig. I've already missed out on seeing my sister. So it was the whole day was manic. And then just standing there and realizing I'm at the front of this yeah. gig. And being like, wow, this is insane. It by any stretch the most amazing experience of my life yeah. So, yeah so yeah go back and do it again because like I say it's so hard to take it all in in one go um one of the things that I find quite inexplicable that I see people doing these days you see it at concerts and and sports events that they're you, you see them all standing with their phone up in there that they're more interested in filming the moment than the living the moment and, and i i see them with me and they'd say well they're, they're doing this because they want to post it somewhere and i'm thinking well you don't need to do that just put that away and get mm. properly absorbed into what you're absolutely. doing absolutely yeah. and it, even going back to like when the kids school plays and stuff 
you know, they, people sit there watching it through their phone. I'm like, you may as well just be watching a live stream. Yeah. I If I do want to record something, I tend to like sort of hold it in a place where I can see what I need to see on the screen, press yeah. record, but I still watch with my eyes away from the phone. I mean, at Guns N' Roses, fate took that into its own, own hands because my battery ran out just as we were going into the yeah. stadium. And I was like, no. And then I thought, oh, hang on a minute. This this is this has happened for a reason. So we yeah. were sharing Danny's phone to take pictures and videos. Um, and just like occasionally, we'd only do it at certain times, like if, if they were in front of us or certain songs and stuff like that. But we weren't recording them. Yeah. We were enjoying the moment and recording ourselves enjoying the moment. So I think we, as a couple, we took a slightly different take on that. Yeah. How long did they play for? Oh, blimey. A good couple of hours, but they yeah. were two hours away. But I didn't care because yeah. I was still going to see them. I was like, as soon as, as long as they turn up, I don't care. I could stand there for five hours waiting. You, so yeah, you do get your money's worth with rock bands generally. Absolutely. Um, okay. The, the set was brilliant as well, so I couldn't have asked for better. Really, <laughs> just want to redo it. <laughs> well, I'll um, put my clothes on as well because it rained. So <laughs> you'll you'll have to go again next time they tour in Britain. Fingers crossed that they do. Um, yeah. I've got some friends from back home. There were so many people there that I knew, but obviously it's the vast amount of people. You don't see people, you know, even though you're there. And I've seen some of them since. And we've said, like, next time they tour, if they tour, we're all going together as a group. And we're going to do the Golden Circle. We're going to do it properly. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, it's it's already in the plans. I'm not missing out on that again. So Definitely. Yeah. Of course, with your own singing, you might be uh, playing to a crowd like that yourself one day. <laughs> maybe, maybe not to that size. <laughs> oh, blimey! It's no. a lot. A lot uh, and I'll be saying, I remember when she used to do karaoke at the White Hart. Look how far she's come. You put putting the youngest in a playpen on the corner of the on the stage, saying like, I didn't get the childcare. Yeah. No, she doesn't like sing. She doesn't. Um, she's she's uh, severely autistic, and she doesn't like the sound of me singing. Yeah. So it can make it really quite difficult to do anything. Really, can't even practice at home. She goes, "Mummy, please stop." And I'm like, "It's not that bad." <laughs> okay. Well, we'll we'll um, move on now. You know, the next question that I normally ask is, if you could be someone else for a day, who would you like to be? Well, originally. I came up with the first thing that came to my head was Tom Hardy's wife. And then I thought maybe that, that, that would take a very different detour of a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe not. I see where you're going it. with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Billy Connolly. Um, I grew up with him on the telly, you know, and watching his, his stand up and things like that. And then obviously as my children were growing up, he went into acting and things like that. And he's always intrigued me, always intrigued yeah. me comforting about him you know everyone knows yeah. him and his voice is so recognizable and things like that but I recently I want to say I read his autobiography and I haven't because since my stroke I struggle to read um written word so I listened to the audible yeah. and it was read by him so it was even more just fascinating and it was literally his life story from some of the really hard things he went through as a child to some of the crazy events that happened as he was a young adult, getting into the business that he's in and how he ended up doing it and things like that. And it's called Windswept and Interesting. And there's literally no better way to describe him. You yeah. know, that, that is Billy. And well, I, I had... The hair, you know, it, it, it brings the word windswept to mind, doesn't it? Um, mm -hmm. I, I haven't read that autobiography, but I did read the one that his wife wrote about him just called billy and i i'm don't know how long ago that was maybe as much as 20 years ago 
Yeah, uh, I think I read that when Dara was a baby. So, yeah. yeah. That's Pamela Stevens, isn't it? That's it. Yeah, because she was in um, Not the Nine O'Clock News, which was another big comedy. F- she was a star herself in the 80s. But yeah, Billy Connolly, it's like he's always been around. You said that throughout your life, but mine as well. He was on the TV in the in the 70s and, and the 80s. And uh, he's got that way of telling a story or an anecdote. You know, whatever he's going to say, it's, it, you're going to laugh. He's just got Yeah, even that. if he gets it wrong, it's yeah. still funny. He, yeah, he has absolutely. that rare gift that, that many comedians don't have. And... Mm. Yeah, fascinating. So if, if you were going to be him, would you be him sort of past or present? What what era of Billy Connolly would you... I would like to step into the shoes of Billy Connolly when he was in his early adult years, when he was yeah. discovering how windswept and interesting he really was and embracing it. Because I think a lot of people, I admire him for that. There's a lot of people, myself included, where we're almost misfits in society, Yeah, you know, and it doesn't need to be that way. It doesn't need to be that way. And people like Billy Connolly have made it, made it himself famous because of it. You know, he yeah. he's a, a walking, talking example of why it's okay to be different. Um, so I think the stages of when he started started embracing that side of himself, I, I would like to have seen him then because I know what he's like now. I've seen, you yeah. know, I've seen, I've read all the books. I I would have, I'd like to go back to that just as he was coming into the entertainment industry and embracing the stripy trousers and, you know, odd coloured shoes and things like that. So, Because he overcame a lot of adversity. What I remember from the book was a troubled childhood with a lot of problems. I can't remember all the details, but... He was um, abused by his father. Yeah. um, His mother left. And, yeah, many, many, many sad times in, in his his first part of his life so but um, you you do often see that in people who've become successful in entertainment uh because they almost see it as an escape they become a performer to to try and put all that behind them and you know you 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 look at i mean countless examples of of comedians uh, uh people that do have these dark backstories yeah, and it's, it's it's a common fact, isn't it? That a common fact, sorry, that many people that have been through trauma in the early years of their life will use comedy to to almost come as therapy in a yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, to to alleviate the the pain. Yeah, and yeah. like I say, I mean, I, I've had a troubled childhood, um, and I do find that me and my brothers and sisters, we we are very sound like I'm blowing my own trumpet but we're we're very comical people we do stand out all of us do um and you can tell that we're brothers and sisters not necessarily by the way that we look but by the way that we act and we all make jokes out of our trauma we all do yeah and it's interesting when all of us are in the same room and so I think maybe on that level I relate to Billy in that sense and maybe it's a maybe it's a level of like jealousy maybe because he made something so amazing out of it you know he he changed it yeah um he owned it and changed it and now he's living the life that anyone would really dream of obviously apart from the fact that he's not very well um but his life has always been amazing it's always been interesting in that sense you know and I think that still too many people have these traumatic backgrounds and as my older brother said you have to let it refine you not define you and Billy is one of the people that is walking proof that you can do that. So, yeah. And 
you can do it at any age. I mean, he found success relatively early on. But, you know, thinking of the age you are now, you're doing your singing, what I'm doing now, you can you can find success in your 40s, 50s or, or later in life. But, I mean, the, the thing I always say to anybody who's creative, never give up because success doesn't happen overnight for everybody. Mm-hmm. If you've got the talent and you just keep plugging away, it can happen for you. It's, um, with my COVID actually really helped me with that. You know, I'm, I'm stuck in the house with my kids and thinking, you know, I'm, I'm an active person. So I'm like, what am I going to do with yeah. my time? Um, and I happened to just pick up my paintbrushes and order the canvas and I started painting again. And I haven't painted since I was at school. Yeah. So, again, another, another dream that I sort of let go away. Um, and now I'm painting portraits, you know, like from photographs and stuff. And of my favorite one to do at the moment, I've done Slash, but I've recently painted Freddie Mercury twice. It's the same. I don't like to repeat my work, but I've done two portraits the same of him from my partner and his mum. And I was so pleased with it. And I didn't even know I could do that. Yeah, I didn't know I could paint. Port- I've never attempted it in my life. I just thought, oh, I'm going to paint slash, you know, and it happened. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm, I was, what, 36 when I when I started painting again. Exactly. You know, and even when I was like, mom, you can paint. <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Age, age is not a limit when it comes to doing what you want to do. No, not at all. And I think. I become more motivated with every passing year because I know I haven't got as much time left as I had 20, 30 years ago, and I need to start making the most of it. So I don't don't want to waste days or evenings sitting around watching television. I want to be getting out there, meeting people, doing creative things. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm, if, as long as I've got the childcare, I'm happy to go yeah. to things and do things. And, you know, you, you might pick up on something you didn't know about yourself or meet new friends. You know, it that never stops. Those no. opportunities are there forever. You know, there's people in their 80s going out for lunches or going out to events on their yeah. own and meeting new friends and things. So, yeah, I think certainly when it comes to doing what you want to do, I don't think that age should put a, a stopper to that. Definitely not. OK, we've got one more question to go. And that is, if you could go anywhere in space or time, where would you go? I really struggled with this one because I'm a believer in past lives. So I believe anywhere I should have been in the past, I've already been there. Okay. (laughs) So I really struggled with this one. And then I thought, uh, I was visualising going back home to Wiltshire and I was thinking of Stonehenge. And I thought, um, there's very 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 few facts known about Stonehenge like yes. actually known. it's theories isn't it really rather it's than facts theoretical when it comes to Stonehenge um although you know they've confirmed that the the blue uh, the, the sand uh, the blue stones the Spartan stones oh, okay. I believe, came from Marlborough Downs and I went to yeah. school in Marlborough so I was like you know that does make sense but they still can't actually prove it right so i would like to go back to not necessarily the first stages of stonehenge but maybe the later stone uh, stages of the creation of stonehenge and actually know because also so i follow a pagan path so as anyone knows it's a very special place to us during solstice seasons um times and things like that and it does make sense to us that it would be connected to the winter solstice or the summer solstice um but there's no um there's no fact yeah so 
and it was built over a long period of time so you'd have to visit a few different eras wouldn't you yeah absolutely um yeah because i think the, the original creation was a, was what, over 5000 years ago again yeah. it's all theoretical right so and then i think the second stage was believed to have happened around 3 3 and a half thousand years ago but no one knows and i would like to be able to sort of go oh that's who put that there that's yeah. where that came from that's why it's there well there are so many theories and the fact that the stones align so perfectly um to these dates in in the calendar it, it almost suggests a higher technology it's very easy to think in our modern society with all the technology uh, that people thousands of years ago were just sort of primitive cave dwellers going around waving clubs and saying ugh but they obviously (laughs) (laughs) yeah but they obviously had more about them than that yeah absolutely i mean when you look back at um for me if you look back on like norse norse pagans or should we let's just go with pagans actually because it covers quite a lot of things they believed in seers they believed in um you know following the the phases of the moon and things like that now someone must have worked that out back then and when you think that like your average joe would just get that information off the internet they don't understand why yeah so before this stuff was available to us before we had communities that we could talk to other people across the world and things like that these people knew this stuff already how you know there must be something in it you know we, we run our clocks on the the time of day is based on the sun setting and things like that you know we we have daylight saving hours in the uk and things like that that's all been worked out long before any of this stuff yeah you know and you know how many days there are in a year and things like that that's been worked out like you say in these times when we didn't have modern technology we didn't have this so the understanding level must have been there yeah well they would have been outside a lot more they would have been able to there wouldn't be the light pollution they could look up at the night sky and look at where things were every night and see how the positions i mean that's how they figured out what the planets were because they didn't stay in the same place whereas the stars did yeah and if you're looking at that every night uh, then then you are going to work those things out i mean how often do people look at the stars now you know they're more interested in we recently stayed in the new forest for a week and like say so we i live in bister and my partner lives in the city as well so i was like look at the stars this it reminded me of being back home i was like look how many you can see yeah because you can't see that like when you live somewhere that's overbuilt the light from the houses takes away the ability to see the stars in the sky so and i was like imagine you did this every night you know you yeah. can't do that here i mean i could but i'd probably just be staring at the same two stars every night you know so yeah i i'm amazed by anything like that when it comes to history it's not for me it's not necessarily like history of royal families or battles or anything like that it's the the how we've grown as as yeah human that's you know? exactly what i think um the social history and what people really did that what they talked yeah. about so you know and originally you know we all came from different places but now we can talk each other's languages and things like that yeah. and we can travel and it, it amazes me i was listening to a podcast i can't remember which one it was it was a psychology one i believe um and they were talking about how we would have less fighting within our own countries if we went back to communal living you know, like if down yeah. south they lived 
how they how they want to down south and then in the city centres if, if we lived in communities of interest rather than communities of area you know we're forced yeah. to abide by all the same rules and stuff and obviously down in the countryside it's not the same as it would be up here and they were just saying that we'd, we'd be happier as people if we lived in community smaller communities with yeah. the support of other communities i absolutely agree yeah brilliant okay we're almost out of time quickly tell us where people can find your music and art <laughs> Um, okay, so for music, I don't have a lot online at the moment, so it's probably best to follow my Facebook page, which is LJ, but it's E-L-L-E dot J-A-Y. Okay. Um, oh. And then for my painting, um, I'm also on Instagram for that, which covers my painting and my singing. My painting is Brushwork by LJ, spelled the same way on Facebook. But like I say, we, we've got a lot of things in the pipeline, so look out on YouTube and Spotify soon. I have got a track on Spotify that I featured in um it's called watch over you um but that's under jay taylor featuring okay. LJ. so Brilliant. yeah i can be found fairly easily and if not i'm sure jason can can send you the information if I you will. want to give me a follow you can't I'll, find I'll, me i'll put the links in so thank you ever so much for coming along today it's been absolutely fantastic thank you so Brilliant. much and um i will see you again soon absolutely love to the family yes uh, and yours thank you, thank you. bye thank you. bye